You're listening to the Joy Junkies Show podcast, episode 345. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 345. Before we jump in, I have a very, very short easy request that I'm hoping you can help me out with. Don't worry. It doesn't cost any money at all. So if you are a fan of the show, you probably know that my bestie and I, Andrea Owen over at Your Kick-Ass Life, have a joint podcast that we have two seasons out now, and it's called Not Another Self-Help Podcast. We are trying to get adopted by a media company called Exactly Right Media, and they are an amazing group of women who have a ton of awesome podcasts, and we would love, love, love to be adopted by their network. So we are starting a campaign of sorts on May 11th through to and including May 15th, which happens to be my 41st birthday. So this would be an amazing gift. All we need you to do is go to notanotherpod.com slash adopt and you'll see a ton of click to tweets and all it is is you tweeting out to these various accounts to get their attention we're trying to sort of bombard them we've been calling it projectile messaging where we are getting the message out to all these people who work for exactly right media to say check your email amy and andrea have sent you a pitch adopt not another self-help podcast. If you could do that for us, we would really, really appreciate it. It should only take a couple seconds of your time, no money at all, and it would be amazing karmic cash coming back towards us saying thank you for the pod. So again, notanotherpod.com slash adopt. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Now here's the show. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, my love. Well, hello. You like how I threw the pinky at you? I love it. I love it. (laughs) Mr. Smith does a countdown right before we start, and he does like a little five, four, three, two, one, and then throws the (laughs) pinky, which I absolutely love. And I need that today because I am dragging ass. You need a pinky thrown at you? I am so tired today. (laughs) And right before we started, Mr. Smith was like, you can do this. this. (laughs) He's being my life coach. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I can do this. I know I can do this. But I I hope that we make the pod seem really effortless. But there's a decent amount of work that goes on oh, yeah. behind the scenes to produce it every week and you do a lot. Come up you with topics do. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so. and topics like what? How much? What uh, episode is this? Three forty-five. So three hundred and forty-five topics. Well, I've done. I know you. I've repeated a lot back, of them, but you bring it with a different flair, and you always have something yeah. to say. So it's true. That's... And and there are like, for example, this last handful of, of pods over the last like five or six weeks have all been focused around Rona what we're based. Uh, Rona based. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Rona based conversation. We've got some Rona based pods happening. <laughs> so today we're actually going to take a bit of a departure from that. And we're going to talk about self blame. And this is sort of the 
the lens through which we're going to look today is when you find yourself in situations where you always assume fault. You always think that it's your fault or mm. that somebody must be mad at you or okay. you must have done something wrong. So where you're kind of assuming a lot of the responsibility. Uh, for example, like if if your boss is really short with you or a little bit more curt at work and nothing is said directly to you, nothing about – you being insubordinate. It's just an attitude. It's just a little sharpness on their behalf, and you immediately start creating this story of I must have done something wrong. I'm glad you said that because I did, when you said the podcast was on self-blame, I couldn't put it in context. So right. that definitely helps me understand it better. Yeah. So that's what we're going to dig into that today. It actually came from a after hours person. Nice. Way to keep you on your toes. (laughs) A person in after hours had suggested this many years ago, actually. So I thought, let's bring this back. I think it's a good, a place where a lot of us go. But before we do. Yes, before we do. I hear that you have a little something extra in your segment. Just little anecdotes with uh, the little segment we like to call... Would you rather? And, okay, so let me just give you the the would you rather first. Okay. Would you rather? Okay. Jello Russell nude in front of your immediate family. Wow. Or wear a diaper and act like a baby in front of someone you have a crush on or your boss, depending on. And if you don't have a boss, then maybe Holly. <laughs> That you respect. <laughs> so, because I just went through that process and I was yeah. like, diaper in front of you, done. Diaper in front of the boss, I'm the boss, done. Diaper in front of a colleague that I respect, Andrea, done. Yeah, but that's your best friend. It has to be somebody <laughs> different. Because I was like trying to close like, that loophole for you. I know. I watched you like trying to close it. You were like, or, or. Okay, it's a, so would you rather Maybe or, like or, Bre- or. Brene Brown or somebody yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody you, you have high respect for. I mean, obviously I respect for Andrea, but. Okay, Absolutely not Jello nude. Jello Russell. Yeah, that that's just not something that I. So okay, so because me... I'm, I'm thinking my two brothers and my mom, and that's just absolute. <laughs> if I had sisters, maybe. <laughs> well, I've got three brothers and a sister. Right. So that would be and pretty embarrassing. Like a stepmom and stepdad kind a step-mom, of stepmom. Yeah, stepdad. Yeah, you're right. So, I, I. The other one is what? It's a diaper. Yeah. Uh, Wear a a diaper and act like a baby in front of Brene Brown. Gosh, the act like a baby part. Like you just walking out there in a diaper, just be like, okay, here I am is one thing. (laughs) But then to have to be like, oh, you know what I mean? All right. So here's my joke. Okay. All right. You ready? Okay. On the first day of school. Is this going to be a dad joke? No. It's a, it's a, it's a. Little Johnny joke. Oh. You know Little Johnny or Dirty Johnny? Those type of jokes? No. Okay. Well, you will by the end of this. Okay. On the first day of school, the first grade teacher announced to her class that they should put the baby talk of kindergarten behind them and start using grown-up words. Okay. She then asked them to tell her one thing that they did over the summer. The first little one says he went to see his Nana. Okay. And the teacher said, no, no, you went to see your grandmother. Use the grown-up word. Uh Uh-oh. Then the next little one said, I went on a trip on a choo-choo. No, the use teacher the said, big no, no, use train. You took a trip on a train. On an automotive. <laughs> or a locomotive. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to educate you on oh, transportation? Oops. Oh, no. oops. Okay. Use train. That's the grown-up word. 
Okay. Then the teacher asked little Johnny one that he did over the summer. And he proudly stated that he read a book. And the teacher said, okay, well, what book did you read? And he puffs out his chest, very adult-like, says, Winnie the Shit. Oh, wow. So there you go. Winnie the Shit. Winnie the Shit. Use the adult word. Mm-hmm. Why do I picture little Johnny as, do you remember oh, A Christmas Tale? No, what's the one? A Christmas one? Story. A Christmas Story? The one with the raccoon hat on? Yeah, the Red Rider. The Red Rider. The sh- you'll no, shoot your eye out. No, no, no. Yeah, well, that's part of it. But the, the redhead bully. Oh, I, I don't. picture little Johnny as that guy. That guy. Yeah. Poor redheads. They're always the bully in them. Well, they don't have a soul. Oh, shame <laughs> on you. Get jokes, out of jokes, get out jokes. of here. Inappropriate, right. Mr. Smith. Oh my God. Okay. All right. So you're gonna go with Jello Russell in front of Brene Brown? No, that's not a thing. That's oh, not oh, one I... of the options. <laughs> I just combined them for you. That's I'm like, wait a minute, wait, no. <laughs> you're going with the diaper baby talk in front of Brene Brown. Yeah. It might actually impress her. <laughs> what would you pick? You could do a pretty good baby, I'm imagining. <laughs> what would you pick? Wow. Okay, so Thomas Myers would be That's what I was gonna say. It was gonna the have to be person that I Thomas respect Myers. most in my field. And I think that he would probably like diagnose my movements. You think? He'd be like, oh, you really are moving like a baby. Or he'd say, oh, babies do a little bit more. Like he would coach me on how to be a baby. And so I think like, I'd rather gag, 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 gag. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Well, we <laughs> we would love to hear what you would rather. <laughs> we would love to hear what you would And I almost feel like this one sounds familiar. Like we may have done it in the hundreds of episodes we've done. I, I, you know, maybe. There might be some variation of that, but I don't think we've done that one specifically. Who knows? But we want to hear from you. So come over to the Joy Junkie After Hours Club. Oh, I'm so sorry. After Hours. <laughs> I was picking fuzz off my shirt. I know you had. I was acting like a baby. <laughs> so we have a Facebook group that is an amazing community and beautiful spirits and everybody is so connected and I run a tight ship so people aren't trying to sell their shit over there or anything like that. You can come join us over at thejoyjunkie.com slash club. Oop. We'll also put that link in the show notes. It just redirects you right over to our corner of Facebook and we do a would you rather conversation every Monday. Every and Monday. Everybody talks about their reasoning, and sometimes it's really hilarious. So we would love to have you. But there's a ton of other awesome stuff. I do additional trainings on Thursdays, uh, warm, fuzzy Wednesdays, which are always a blast. So we would love to to have you come hang out. So let's talk a little bit about this idea behind self-blame. And when we tend to go to that place in our mind where we go, oh, my gosh, I must have done something wrong. I Mm. must have said something. The fault or the responsibility lays with me or lies with me. Is that the correct lies with me? I don't know. Something for you to do right now. So this, like I mentioned, was a question that came to us from the After Hours community. So again, a great resource for you to come hang out. So a couple of places where this can stem from, if you, because I'm guessing that for many people out there, you know if this is you or not, where you just ruminate or your mind spirals and you make up that it must be your responsibility or there must be something you can do to fix something. This can also be really exacerbated by relationships where you really want something better for somebody like a child or a partner who 
wants to change careers or something like that and you assume that you're not motivating enough or you're not being what they need enough or you they're not fulfilled because of you like it's always kind of coming back to that victimy place and we don't we don't even realize that we're being victimy but oftentimes it's I it, there could have been something else I could have done or should have done or said to that person in order for them to have changed okay right did you fact check me? I, uh, well, I just – it wasn't a fact check really. Past tense of lie is lay. Oh, OK. So maybe I was right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So a couple of places where this can come from is what was modeled for you as a child. This can be very, very common to have a parent who always assumed sort of a victimy role. And so they were verbal about, oh, my God, I think so-and-so is mad at me, or I think your your father is mad at me, or I think your mom is upset with me, or I think whatever. Pulling it back, that attention towards them, oftentimes that can – if that's modeled for you at a young age, you can start adopting that same sort of behavior. Sometimes it's also being blatantly told in any type of relationship that everything is your fault. Sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's a lot of people's situation growing up mm-hmm. where verbatim you've been told that you're responsible for things. Yeah. And if you hadn't done this, then we would still be married or, you know, where there's a lot of blame being inflicted on you mm. that you then adopt and that becomes a part of the subconscious narrative around everything that you're engaging with in your current present life. Yeah, yeah. This can also be present when it is something you haven't forgiven yourself for. Mm. So if you've harbored a lot of self-blame or a lack of forgiveness around maybe something you did or didn't do inside of a relationship that ended and I wish I would have spoken up and you haven't ever really resolved that forgiveness element for yourself, it can be so easy to continue on with that victimhood in all of your present current Mm. relationships. And it can also be indicative of a lack of just straight up lack of self-confidence, self-worth, maybe a a couple of these things could be present. That last one's the first thing I think of. It's kind of an insecurity or lack of confidence. But – Typically, that is – I'm glad you brought that up. The lack of confidence and lack of self-worth is usually a result of those other things, a Mm. result of how you were raised, Mm. what was modeled for you, the beliefs that you attach to. You know, they're they're kind of the the result. They're the the subdural piece of that. Right. And then finally, another way that this can show up or the reason it – where it can stem from is if you are a massively empathetic, compassionate, highly sensitive person already. Sure. So where you're tuned in and you have a heightened awareness around people's body language, their inflection in their voice, you can feel their emotions. Sometimes that can be a real easy way to start adopting, oh my gosh, this, what I'm feeling right now is my responsibility. So that's the the real challenge, I think, with emotional intelligence is emotions are so dramatic that when we feel something, we conclude something, right? So we feel, oh my gosh, I feel alienated from that person or I feel dismissed by that person. That must mean 
Mm-hmm. That he's upset with me or that she doesn't like me or that I've done something wrong. Classic jump to conclusions. That's right. So there's a couple of places that it can stem from. And that's where our mind starts to have that go-to response conditioned over and over again of when someone is upset, it must be my fault. And again, mm-hmm. it could very much be stemmed from from childhood stuff. So what what do we actually do about it? So I've got a kind of a little four-part series here of how to recognize when this is happening and how to kind of reroute it. Okay. So the first place to look is this awareness piece. So number one is to recognize. You better recognize. You better recognize. You got to move your head sideways when you say that. Do you? You recognize that I am making this about me. So that's the first item of business is to look at, okay, there was something that occurred, a situation, a scenario, something happened at work, something happened with my partner, with my kids, whoever, and I have immediately adopted this blame. It's like heightening the awareness around, oh my God, I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. So creating that just beacon of here's the entry point, here's here's what's actually happening. Because what, what happens for many of us is we don't have that stop and awareness or recognize peace and we just keep going and then we become reactional. Sure. So a reactionary. So we start saying, oh my gosh, I need to go apologize or I need to do all these things to make that person happy with me or I need to do any number of things besides really unpack if you're at fault or not. Mm. So how do you get behind that? How do you get to the backside of that? Well, that's I'm so glad you asked. That leads me to number two. Number. Oh, I thought it was going to lead me to your program. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're the cutest. I was, I was trying to give you something to bite on there. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> really in. Well, you did not take the bait. I didn't. I did not. But you also failed your would you or your after hours cue today too. <laughs> oh, it's so all my fault. it is a tit it's for tat here on the Joy Junkie Show. That's right. I'm self-blaming right now. <laughs> like it. <laughs> nice. So this is actually something that I talk about with my students all the time. And one of the biggest things that we go through is where there is a, set, a situation that happens or a set of facts that happens and then the conclusion that we jump to. So I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But Number two is ask yourself, what are the facts? What actually happened? And I've used this example many, many times where you had asked me about my dates with Dylan. Basically, you asked me about my workouts, right? I was doing this yoga thing with this guy named Dylan. I called it Dates with Dylan. (laughs) And you asked me, are you still doing your dates with Dylan because you had had a bunch of stuff from the patio inside into the living room. Yeah, yeah. I was doing some renovations in the living room. Yeah, exactly, on the porch and stuff. So there was very little room for me to work out in. But that's not what I was thinking. When you said, all you said, the only facts that were said, are you still doing your dates with Dylan? That was the only thing. Yeah. And then what I made up, though, in my, what I made up, though? That <laughs> was a whole hyperbolic story about, oh, my gosh, he thinks that that I am not taking care of myself. He thinks I'm gross and slobby and he's not attracted to me anymore. And it All just became things, yeah. this massive snowball of, of thought. 
making up this big conclusion off of a very innocuous question. Yeah. And again, that stemmed from my own insecurity, my own not being pleased with my own behavior. (laughs) So I projected that on you. But you had the good sense to ask. I did. I did. Fortunately, I was teaching this shit at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let me just tell you where my head went. And this would be, this is a little bit of a different scenario because we're talking about an interpersonal relationship and communication. But this it's such a poignant example of when we conclude things, when we make things up. You can still ask yourself these questions inside. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Completely. So I did have the wherewithal to say, babe, let me just tell you where my head went. Am I on to anything? Did I just make that up? Now, in that situation, fortunately, that's not where your head was at. Right. We don't always get that. It could be that your partner says, yeah, I I actually am concerned about your weight gain or I have been less attracted to you. And then you have a whole different thing that you need to deal with. But at least you're not running around with a fucking story. At least you're getting it clear and in the air. And do we do we have a problem here? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Is this person way too invested in physicality? And Instead I am of it not. All just being in your head. Right. Yeah. But I will say, far more often than not, we're making up a story. Most right. of the time, it is a fallacy. It's not truly what that other person is thinking or what's even true. Yeah. 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 Right? So. First, you recognize I'm making this about me. Number two, asking what are the facts? Number three, what am I making that mean about me? So that's where you go into that conclusion piece. Uh And this is what you were kind of pointing to earlier with Deep Down and Dirty, which is my primary signature program. It's the only way I work with people. But this is one of the things that we work with over and over and over again. And I have a very specialized tool that I use with my students that obviously I can't give away everything on the pod. <laughs> right, right. But we have a couple of different acronyms and tools that that we use in the program that help identify in those moments, oh my God, I'm making this, I'm making up this ridiculous story. And then how to kind of excavate for the truth. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest breakthroughs that happens with Deep Down and Dirty are those instances that people bring to me and say, here's what happened with my boss. Here's what happened with my partner. Here's what happened with my kid. And here's where my head went. And then we can workshop it and troubleshoot it right in that moment and go, no, 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 no. Here's what happened. And I like to call it declare the do-over. Here's how you're going to do things differently next time. So that, but it, it really does start with that awareness. Yeah. Awareness truly is the genesis of all change. It is. It's true in my business too. And for those who like conclusions, the reason that I did ask you why you were doing your dates with Dylan is because I wanted to know if I was going to be intruding by doing the renovations on the house. That's right. Yeah. It was – that escaped me. It was completely innocuous, completely harmless, and you genuinely, in fact, were thinking considerately. (laughs) Right, right. It was actually the antithesis of being grossed out. It was compassion and concern. Am I out of your space so that you have enough space to do, you know? So but like you were saying, it's that's not always the case. A lot of times when we do ask that question, we have to be prepared to get the answer that has been going through our head. Right. Yeah. And but I do think based off of what I've the work that I've done for the last like 15 fucking years, 
I would I, – I can't give a percentage, but I would say a majority of the time you are making it up. Most of the time people true. are yeah, – I could see that being true. Most of the time the other people are thinking about what they're doing, like you. Yeah. You were thinking about your actual work project and the renovations. You weren't thinking, oh – I need to think a lot about how I perceive my wife right now, yeah, you know? Right. I need to be passive aggressive in how I approach this. Yeah. It, you're, no. Most of the time you're just tending to stuff. So that anecdote that I brought up earlier about your boss says something curt to you or is sharp, it's likely that she's dealing with something or she just got reamed or her relationship is struggling or his problems are showing up. Just not, she's pregnant, whatever it might be. Yeah. And it comes out at you. Yeah. And then if you take that on, you're going, okay, I'm taking on the responsibility for whatever I just experienced instead of my own behavior. That's huge. That's a huge piece right there. All right. So finally – oh, and by the way, if you are interested in Deep Down and Dirty and the, the real primary thing that changes for people, I'd say, is letting go of this self-doubt, mm. this constant feeling of not enoughness, the investment in what other people think all the time, twisting and contorting and people-pleasing and be having a tight grip on perfectionism. Most people who come in to the program have this prevailing belief that I am just simply not enough, right. that I am innately damaged or broken in some way. And by the end of the our time together, they are – so incredibly confident. They believe in themselves. They can say without a shadow of a doubt that I am enough. And then that has a ripple effect in their life. So I've seen people go on to start their own businesses, to go back to school, to end toxic marriages or familial relationships that are really negative. I've seen people manifest soulmates. All sorts of stuff. Right. I've even seen people lose weight and stop smoking. Like it, so much stuff can happen once you change your relationship with yourself. Right. But we think it's all external. Mm -hmm. In the context of, I, I think one of the excuses that will come up is, oh, well, it's going to be three months. That's a long time. But in the context of your life and the changes you can make with it, three months is nothing. Right. It's you like know? three months ago, don't you wish you would have started? Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because then you could be three months ahead of where you were. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. So thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop is a masterclass that I've created for you that kind of chronicles a lot of the work that I do. You'll know very quickly if yeah, it hits understand. home or if it's, you know, exactly what you're up against. You'll hear stories of past students and it, you, you'll learn a shit ton. So it's five major shifts that I present that you need to employ in order to shift this relationship to perfectionism, people-pleasing, and self-doubt. So have a watch through that. If you're interested in Deep Down and Dirty, you'll see an option at the very end to book a session with one of my strategy coaches. So keep an eye out for that. And again, you can that your starting point is thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. All right. So back to our phases of number one, recognize I'm making this about me. Number two, what are the facts of the situation? Number three, what am I making that mean about me? That yeah. I am a loser, that I'm not lovable, that I'm fucking up, that I'm responsible. And then finally, number four, get curious and connected and then communicate. So this is kind of similar mm. to what I was saying with just straight up asking you, yeah. like, what did, what did you mean by that? Like, I my head went into this totally different place. Right. So 
there's something that you would always say to me, which was information cures anxiety. Yeah. And I don't know where you got that. I don't either. But it's brilliant. <laughs> because- I'm sure I got it from somewhere else. But it just seems to me that when you have anxiety, it's because you're anxious about something that you don't know the answer to. Yeah. When you start gathering information, you you formulate an answer and the anxiety will soften. Exactly. Yeah, right? Well, it's sort of that whole idea of I don't want to know, I don't want to know, I don't want to yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And right. that part is incredibly anxiety-inducing. It's the whole rip the Band-Aid off thing. So getting curious, figuring out, first of all, is there anything here that I need to clean up? Did I behave in in any way that I am not proud? Like, did I Mm -hmm. snap at somebody? Did I do something unbefitting of me? Most of the time, it's just somebody else's behavior that we see that we then interpret as our responsibility. And that's where you have to get really curious and connected and look at, is this truly just something I created and made up? And then communicate. If you need to find out if something's wrong, go to your partner, go to your boss, go to whoever it is and say, hey, things felt a little awkward earlier today. Just want to make sure we're good to go. Anything you need from me. Open up those lines of communication if you need to have some sort of resolve around it. Otherwise, you are going to spin around in that anxious vortex, which is a fucking nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I will say is that if you are up against a lot of lack of self-confidence, lack of self-worth, and this has been your reality for decade upon decade upon decade, there's likely going to be deeper work that you need to do. Sure. So we can't just give you this nice little four-step process and be like, okay, all done. Right. You, you're healed. That's usually not going to be the case. My guess is that there's probably some forgiveness work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I am going to link... Forgiveness in what way? Oh, uh, pro- it, it could be both internal blame, like blaming Forgiveness yourself. of self? Yeah, forgiveness okay. of self or... Forgiveness, forgiveness of, others. of others. Okay. And I actually talk about that a lot in that workshop. Right. About how a lot of our... Oh, the free one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A lot of our negative self-talk comes from those two places, right. external blame and internal blame. Right, right, right. So a lot of times, like, for example, if you automatically assume fault, it's either someone else growing up, like while you were in your formative years, <laughs> told you that everything was your fault or it was modeled for you. So you may have to forgive somebody there or a relationship that ended where you were constantly blamed for everything. And then you've adopted this victim mentality going forward. Because if you don't heal it, it will persist. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it absolutely will. Or it could be something that you behaved in a way that you weren't proud. You did something in a relationship or in a friendship or something like that that you've never forgiven yourself for. Mm-hmm. And then you've created sort of this perpetual penance that you have to pay. That's a great way to say it. And I've done another episode specifically on forgiveness, both for others and self-forgiveness. So I think two separate episodes. So we'll link to that in the show notes for for sure. But the the one piece that I wanted to underline there is who do I need to forgive? Start asking yourself, is there somebody who, when I look back at where this behavior stemmed from, I'm always assuming it's my fault, always assuming responsibility. Is there anybody else I need to forgive? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And in that, in those forgiveness pods, I do talk about the semantics about how sometimes even just saying the word forgive doesn't feel very palatable. We mm-hmm. almost need to say, I choose not to suffer over this any longer. Sure. Because forgive just seems so big. But anyway, have mm. a listen through those pods if that resonates. Deeper work number two is to really get to the nucleus of that confidence and that self-worth. I'm going to link to two additional pods on self-worth and confidence as well. But I will underline again that if you are ready to completely change things and you need a deep immersion and you need constant accountability, please consider Deep Down and Dirty and start with that workshop, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, totally free. You'll see an opportunity to talk to my staff at the end. But that concept of self-worth is probably the most pervasive topic that I work with people on. I can imagine. I can imagine. It's the it's this whole notion of not smart enough, yeah. not pretty enough, not a good not enough parent, enough. not deserving enough, right. not affluent enough. No matter what I do, it's very chronic with people pleasers mm. and perfectionists. I have to achieve, 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 achieve. I have to check off all these boxes, boxes, boxes. And because it's it's a perpetual chase for that worthiness. Like it's the dangling carrot. Like just keep yeah. – maybe it's this accomplishment. Maybe it's that accomplishment. So if that is your case, either check out the, the the pods that I am linking to or go to that workshop if you want a deeper dive. One of the things in the workshop that I do talk about is how we are so good at collecting good ideas. Yeah. It's sort of the the fitness equivalent of buying home gym equipment and not using it <laughs> right. or ordering DVDs or an online program or something and not using it. The same is true for personal development, especially because it is not a tangible thing. It's how you feel. It's your confidence. You can't measure that really on a litmus test, right? Right. It's almost like an invisible enemy kind of a thing. Exactly. And it's also why people are in extreme pain and you can't see it. Yeah. You can't tell. For sure. So if those are – if that's your situation – Oftentimes what we do is we collect and collect and collect. Like, oh, let me listen to this pod. Let me listen to that pod. But we don't ever sit down and journal these four things that I just gave you. Yeah, yeah. We don't take action. We don't actually communicate. We go, oh, good idea. (laughs) And then we just. (laughs) Go back to our old ways. Turn off the iPod, turn off the phone, and then go right back to work and wonder why your boss is pissed at you. And you think it's your fault. Yeah. So if, if that cycle has been prevalent for you too, this is where you have to get into action. This is the metaphor that I use all the time about you can read a shit ton of books on Pilates, but that's not going to get you rocking abs. It's not going to change your physical form. Yeah. You have to hit the fucking mat. Right. So what are you going to do to actually hit the mat? And then finally, the third piece of deeper work is to separate compassion from responsibility. Okay. And we talk about this a lot in Deep Down and Dirty. There's a whole module on it. It's when we have this emotion of compassion for other people, like where I genuinely want connection with somebody. I don't want them to be upset with me. Mm -hmm. I don't want us to be at odds. Right. And that doesn't always mean that I'm 100% responsible for what happened inside of that relationship. So – you know, a great example would be, you know, I've shared openly about my relationship with my mom that 
although we love each other tremendously, the things that we hold dear as our core values are in direct opposition. Mm. We believe and are convicted about things that are completely polarized. So that means that a lot of the ways in which I live are viewed as absolutely wrong by her, you know, and or yeah. not acceptable, me, right? Even though I view it as like, there are so many right answers, believe how you want to believe, you know, I respect you, I just want you to respect me. And for the most part, I do think she does after much boundary setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so this is what I'm talking about. If I were to say it's my responsibility to make my mother happy with me and happy with my choices, that would mean that I am not just standing in compassion for her. Like I could stand in compassion for her all day and go, my God, that's got to be really challenging to have children who don't believe the way you raised them, mm-hmm. who went a complete direct change. I can be so compassionate for that and still understand that it is not my responsibility to live a life to make her happy. Absolutely. That's the difference. You can be compassionate, empathetic towards people and still recognize that it's not your fault. That's awesome to separate those two. I love that. And that, again, isn't something that can be nice and tidy here. But even just that awareness, to try on that awareness of like, oh, Maybe it's not my responsibility to make everybody happy with me. Oh, my God. Maybe <laughs> your responsibility is simply for your intention, not your reception. Yeah. Such a big difference. For sure. All right. So tons of additional stuff for you in the show notes today. And anything else you wanted to throw into the mix? I think any of the pods that we do or you you do and I sit in on <laughs> are not on their own – gonna do anything right you have to yes i know you've got to apply it and and there's a reason why it's free people that's a yeah (laughs) and 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 one of the things that we do on this podcast is pimp your program right right? and the reason that we do that is because you can't just take these little bits and pieces of things you can and you'll get somewhere you definitely will but if you really want some change you're gonna have to you know invest in it Right. Invest in it from um, from a perspective of that you are worth the program. That's right. <laughs> right? Which That's is a right. good starting point. And also that your money is worth it. Right. Right? Those two things are the big things that people usually hinder them from doing anything. Well, and then time. It's time and, time and money. Yep. Right? Time, money, and or, – or, Oh, it won't work. Or, or, or not getting what they paid for. Like that kind of thing. Right. right. So, yeah, I, th- I think if you take any of these pods just on their own, they have value. But not nearly the value you have in doing a three-month in-depth dive you, into yourself. You want to think of it like it, listening to a pod is like doing a workout. Yeah. Okay. Like you're definitely going to feel the cardiovascular, you know, you're going to get some muscle soreness, whatever. But not like if you do a fucking three-month, almost four-month program, program where you are diligently fo- – you know, it's the compound effect. Yeah. So anyway – If that is your situation, and thank you for your sweet shout out. Welcome. I have had a number of students go, holy hell, I had no idea. There was so much more to dig into. Because most people come from the pod. Right. And they're like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. I did. And a lot of times it's it's also the camaraderie and the accountability of you can't just turn off the iPod and be done. Community makes a difference too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, my friends. So I will leave you to it. Please get into action. Hit that mat. 
check <laughs> out the additional pods that I've been giving you or the free workshop. I would love to uh, support you further. And we will see you around these parts next week. So here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Ms. Smith, out. Out.